Welcome to Mox TV Talk, the podcast where we take a loving, longing look at TV and tell you this week, it's Happy Logie's Things. Since the dawn of time, man has searched far and wide for the best things on TV. What to watch. How to watch. Who's watching what. Free to wear this. VPN that. Plug in and listen to what other people think about what you are and are not watching. It's Mog's TV Talk, the podcast, with your host, Steve Mock. Joining me to discuss everything that you need to know about whatever the heck that was on Sunday night, Mark Humphreys. Hello. Hello, Steve. Now, Mark, I want to say happy Logies. I think that's a good way to start this whole shebang. Yes, uh, happy happier for some networks more than others. But uh, yeah, no, I, I look, I love the Logies. I would not miss it for the world. God, I wish they would cut it down though. I mean, this is just, I think I've, I've just been, my days has been crippled by it. I don't know how it was like, for any, what it was like for anyone who actually then had to go to an after party. Uh, I think it would just kill you, oh. you know, thoughts and prayers to all the, um, you know, breakfast TV hosts out there. Well, yeah, that's right. All the people that had to work on the Monday. We are recording this late Monday afternoon, the day after the Logies, and uh, I'm pretty sure that there are still some beleaguered looking TV starlets trying to do the walk of shame, sneaking out of Grand <laughs> Casino right well, now. Well, that was at the feed today, and I can say that the stars and starlets of the of the feed, uh, you know, some of them were for wear uh, today, and they only had to be, you know, they don't have to be on TV until uh, 7.30 tonight, but, you yeah, know, God help your, uh, your Stefanovics and your... Uh, Armitages and, and what have you. Well, thank goodness. Carl was pretty uh, okay this morning. I oh, did right. uh, okay. dial into mm-hmm. the Today Show to check out Richard Wilkins, <laughs> however, very dusty. <laughs> I think, however, that's because they just go from episode to episode resuscitating him in between. Uh, and he just, it, it all ran out for him at about half past seven. He just wasn't Gosh, functioning. When's his Lifetime Achievement Award? He, um, he's due any day now. Um, I think I heard Tim Gilbert <laughs> in the background yell, Clear! As uh, the, they uh, they zapped Wilkins's heart to bring him back to life. I'm sorry, disappointed to hear that. I, that. That there wasn't uh, wasn't a little bit more um, um, risque television this morning. Uh, some you know, Michael and Virginia on the ABC. They seem to have it fairly fairly together. I, I think <laughs> it's uh, you know the Logie says a rich drunk history. You know, there's the, always that classic clip of I think it was Michael Cole standing next to Bert Newton and saying shit. I think it was the first time that shit had ever been said on Australian TV back in 1970 or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, no, I think we need more alcohol at the Logies, not uh, not this sort of uh, sensible, uh, you know, early, early to bed, early to rise. Yeah, I think they had just enough alcohol to make everybody in the room just a hint unruly and, and oh. talkative because we did note towards the end of the evening even the presenters were standing up on stage. All right, everyone, you be quiet, sit down, settle down. We got the real. That's a real risk. When you fed them all their main meal at about five o'clock yesterday afternoon, and it's eleven thirty, and they've been drinking all night. They had to get. I mean, Ray Martin had to be like the you know the supervisor at school camp, just getting everyone in the mess hall to pipe down. I, I, the man's won five gold logies. You didn't have to be. You know, patrolling the halls, telling people to keep it down. Um, you know, lights out, everyone. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was horrible. I also, particularly when it came to Noni, the, you know, the Hall of Fame announcement. You know, you could hear a lot of chatter over the introduction. By the time she came out, yes. um, it seemed to pipe down. But yeah, that was pretty poor form. 
And uh, I was asking, I asked Mark Fidel about this today. I said, is there, is there an announcement before it comes back, you know, between each section? Is there an announcement saying, you know, we're back on air? Because it feels like there isn't. And he said, no, no, there's a, there's a countdown so that people are aware of it. They're just rude. I'm, I'm thoroughly unimpressed by that. I think that as an industry, we need to take a good hard look at ourselves. And if we have to, I'm turning this car around. I mean, maybe they need a separate night of that is pure piss up because the the thing is, I think so many people are just you know wanting to network and jumping from table to table in the you know in the three and a half minute commercial breaks. Uh, it's just completely impractical. And then yes, by the time the thing finishes, you're already you know too exhausted to really party on too much harder. So there should be sort of Logie should be on a Saturday night. And then on a Sunday night, there should be a separate, just not not televised, just orgy. Um, that's, <laughs> that's that's what I'm campaigning for. Last year was the campaign. You know, TV Tonight did the whole you know campaign for more Logies women. We're starting the campaign at Decider TV and Mox TV Talk of more Logies orgies. That's what we're doing. Mm. It's what I want. It's what the people want. I'm, I'll sell tickets. Uh, I, I, that's what I tried to make the mulkies, <laughs> not the orgy part, but the drunken part. Um, and and the only problem was, Mark, that nobody wanted to come at it. No one wanted to help me play the party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say no one wanted to come to Brisbane. I thought that was the thing. I thought you were going to say that was the, the, the main problem. That uh... Oh, look, I will run that show around the country if I yeah. can get a sponsor. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know who, who sponsors orgies in this country. Uh, I'll get back to you. Yeah, we'll have to take it. Now, look, it, it was, I think, possibly one of, I'll, I'll air quotes, one of the best Logies we've had in a long time. There wasn't that me- that much drama. There were only a few awkward interchanges between presenters. Uh, we got to have enough Logies moments, air quotes again, for us to appreciate what it is and be reminded that this is all we got, people. We've had 58 of them, and there's more to come. Uh, I, I did... I thought that Hughes's opening had some good moments, Mark, but that there were also notes of it that were yeah. just a bit run of the mill. Yeah, look, I think special. Dave Hughes last year was brilliant, and I thought he just did a terrific mm. job um, setting the tone for the for the evening. It was very very funny. And this year, you know, I think they were smart to bring him back back again. I think it was not quite up to that caliber. I don't think the jokes, yeah, they didn't quite. Yeah, play as well for me, but I, I'm not sure how you know how it was in the in the room. But uh, he's very well liked, and I, I thought that was you know as good a start you know as you can expect. Um, but uh, I I'm still very much firmly in the camp of I want a host. I really want someone to and I with yeah. and with all the problems that come with it. You know, I, I think I love the you know. The, <laughs> As much as we, uh, you know, there's a lot of mockery about the, you know, the Gretel Colleen year or the, the Wendy Harmer year, I think that's much more exciting. In terms of that whole thing about live and dangerous or whatever it was that Channel 9 was saying or whatever they were, you know, trying to promote the Logies as uh, this year, uh, I, I think you didn't really get too much of a sense of that other than maybe the Julia Morris moment. Uh, but the Alive and Dangerous is actually, yeah, having, having a, a host who has to kind of, no matter how bad it is, has to, keep, has to come out every 10 minutes and do more shtick. Uh, you know, I watched the, uh, I watched the BAFTAs. Uh, no, sorry, I, I take that back. I watched mm. the Olivier Awards. 
uh, maybe a month ago, which were hosted by uh, musical theatre director Michael Ball, and it was it was a disaster, and I loved it. It was just every joke was just dead on arrival, and. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. So, because you know, no risk, no reward, and so uh, you know, I, I recently rewatched entire uh, Sean, all the, all the Sean McAuliffe bits from when he hosted in two thousand and one. Yes. I'm going to say, yes. um, and it's just, it's, it's, you know, he's just, he's subverting the the evening at every possible opportunity. It's, and it's a sort of, it's, it's, you know, it's one man's take. On the Logies, and I think a you know, similar thing that we'd had the two preceding years with with Denton, and then we yeah, then we had this you know weird period of you know mm. two straight years of Eddie Maguire, you know what, what's his what's his take going to be? Um, so I, I'd love to see them go with a host again. I mean, it's amazing that the Chaser guys never. I don't know, maybe they'd been offered. I don't know the story, but I feel like that's something that feels so obvious to have a Chaser Logies evening. Uh, and I'm putting, yeah. I'm putting, look, I'm putting my hat in the ring right now. I know my profile is not high enough. Come back to me in five years. I'd love to talk to the Logies producers. Uh, look, Mark, you've got so much going on in that <laughs> conversation. I endorse your hat being thrown into said ring. Uh, just to dial back quickly, Dave Hughes, of course, now part of the Channel 9 family. He's uh, signed on, of course, host of Australia's Got Talent, part of the AFL footy show. So to have him open again in that comedic opening slot when we don't have a host makes kind of sense on the polar face scale. I really <laughs> thought he pulled about a four out of 10. Whereas like you said, last yeah. year it was a clear six or seven. Um, so yeah, there's opportunities for growth. That's a good thing. Um, I, I feel that we are, we're definitely lacking for not having a, a host though. Husey almost felt like he was that cause he top and tailed the night. He uh, did the opening and through to the first presenters and then uh, presented the award to, well, Lee to Lee, the gold Loki at the end of the well, night. Well, yeah, Normally, it was a strange choice. Wilkins, or, or, I mean, you could hear it in the um, in the in the uh, montage that every second year it was Bert. So, uh, yeah, no, I was expecting a, mm. a Bert or or you know a Bert Light um, to uh, to do that. So I was a little bit surprised that that Dave Hughes came back. Um, it was fine. I think we've missed an opportunity for all of the people that they complain about making fun of it on Twitter as far as comedians and celebrities who are in the room. Yeah. Just get them to host. Yeah. Just make it their problem. Yeah. If they want oh, it to look, be funny, you know, give Ballard it to them. Some great tweets. I'd love to see he, Tom Ballard would be a fantastic Logies host. Um, yeah. Yes, even if it was a split role where it was, like you said, get, get the chaser involved, uh, throw some Will Anderson on top of that, salt it with some Dan Illick and uh, Tom Ballard. And uh, you're in for a hell of a ride. That's my vote. We did get to see no. some pretty awkward interchanges. Uh, what I did think, actually, just quickly, every presenter, except for Husey right at the end, uh, when he did the Gold Logie presentation, every presenter was partnered with someone hmm. except Rebecca Gibney. What's <laughs> that about? I, I, don't, I don't know what it, if that, if that implies. She's somehow difficult to work with or something. But... Uh, Oh, she's too big. I mean, Rebecca Gibney's a titan of the industry. Um, so, uh, no, I don't know. Who would you pair her with? I don't, you know, there's no one. There's no one on the... Well, the allegation going around today was that she was paired with someone, but that during rehearsals, someone felt it wasn't working and asked for that person to oh, not come on okay. stage with All the right. person. Uh, um, I was told that I was just um, too photogenic. That was what they told me, but... Um, uh, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's um, a curse. No, I've, 
I've got no, I've got no idea what the story is there. But I, in terms of the, I mean, the, the big thing for award show for me is I, I, I'm obsessed with uh, banter. I, I and I think it, I'm, I'm stunned oh. that it is so consistently done so poorly. You say you're obsessed with banter, Mark. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so what are you going for this, Steve? Oh, it, it, oh I you, Mark. You say you're obsessed with banter, Mark. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Uh, can, yeah, it's been. A, yeah. It's all right, mate. There were a couple of bad examples. Great of bad examples of bad banter. Stephen Curry and Amanda Keller. She held her own. Curry kind of. I don't know. He's a pretty funny dude, but they didn't really connect and, and weren't able to hit it out of the park. Uh, and I thought that was as bad as we were going to get. And then Craig McLaughlin and Miranda Tapsell came out. I mean, and Craig McLaughlin. I maybe I'm too young. I, I just I've never understood I've never understood the the, the Craig McLaughlin thing. I, I'm not saying that he's not talented, <laughs> though I did say write a tweet to that effect. Um, but uh, the, I just I'm, I'm I am confused by his presence, um, and he is always playing for laughs when he doesn't need to. No one thinks he's funny. No one's expecting him to be funny. Oh no! Look, I disagree. Well, that's the thing. I think he that's the, like, you know, and we've all seen that amazing footy show footage, um, which uh, I think oh, last time I checked has has been taken down, sadly. But uh, yeah, of you know Craig McLaughlin doing stand up, and I remember watching the um, Neighbours. They, you know, they had some anniversary documentary. What year are they up to? Thirty, something like that. Yeah, uh, and they, and it was you know interviewing people from across the years and just Craig McLaughlin trying to play everything for laughs and just don't worry about it just just don't worry about it don't you you don't need to, people love you as an actor they love you as a singer you don't need to be funny and so that's what I'm always surprised. You're not Henry Ramsey. Sorry, you're not what? You're not Henry. I didn't Ramsey know the name. Sorry. <laughs> I haven't done my neighbor's research, but um, yeah. And Miranda Tapsell, you know, she looked very uncomfortable with that whole interaction. Yes. Uh, you know, on the other side of things, you have people like Kitty Flanagan and uh, Peter Hellier, who are very, who are very funny people. And, and this is not to say that what they did mm. was not funny. But what I would say is, it was way too long. The the um, the intro to whatever category yes. that was. But I mean, I, I thought, but especially once they had announced, finally once they had announced the nominees, given the moment of, and the winner is, and then Pete Hellier comes in with another joke and more material, and it's just like, I think that's actually, I think that's actually insulting to the to the people waiting who are, you know, this is their big moment, you know, and they're waiting to hear their name, and you're going to tell another joke that has nothing to do with this evening. I just felt that that was a bit much, especially on a night that was that went so long. And to think that the the winners of that um, uh, ABC Three show, uh, uh, which I'm sorry I can't remember the name of it now because uh, obviously I don't get to see a lot of uh, children's television. But um, uh, ready for this? Thank ready you. Ready for this? But when they won, uh, the music you know came in quite. Early on the speeches, it's just like, so hang on, we we got thirty seconds for the people who won the award. We've got seven minutes for for Kitty and, and Pete to to clown around. So uh, all those sorts of things, I thought were out of whack for me. And what was very unfortunate was when the ABC Three uh, production team, uh, ready for this, were accepting the award. 
Uh, I think it was the director, might have been the writer, the lady. Uh, and I use this only for an example. The white lady spoke and she finished. And then the indigenous man started to speak yes. and the music swelled. And to his credit, he didn't just mm. go, oh, well, that's it. Time's up. He mm. kind of railed against went, oh, hang on. Like, we got stuff to say. And he went on to, to big ups to the cast and to, to talk about how wonderful it was to, to work with so many Indigenous kids and those sorts of things. Yeah. Mm. Totally relevant. Totally good. And the music did go down and they did finish their speeches and they went off. But it was just one of those moments where you went, look, if you could have raised the music on somebody else, mm. that would have been nice. But to do it on yeah. the Indigenous guy Completely. is just Absolutely. a bad look. Sure. It was actually oh, yeah, yeah. no question, I would say. I think it's just a direction we've got time. Like, we've got to catch some time up. But it's just, man, man, that was not cool. Um, I agree that P Peter and Kitty were good. Yes, they did go very long. Uh, though we did get out of that segment and Dave's opening two of mm. the best 60 Minutes gags that we've heard. And luckily, no one else attempted them last night. No one else tried a 60 Minutes gag, but they were crackers. <laughs> yeah, offhand, I can't remember what they were, but I, I, I do remember thinking that, uh, uh, oh, yeah, and, uh, you know, screw 60 Minutes, I mean. Oh, yeah, no, the, the one from Dave Hughes was uh, a warning to, because he's calling out people in the audience, oh, here's such and such, here's blah, and he has a little bit of an interchange with Kai That's Baldwin, right. the, the young kid that played a young Peter Allen uh, in Not the Boy Next Door on Seven earlier this year, and and by the way, he made this passing comment uh, to just be careful when you go home tonight that you know 60, 60 minutes producers don't let you go home with them, or you know they don't get you into a van or something, and then deadpan to camera as Hughesy can do, although you may not have a say in it. <laughs> just and it, it's it really did set a great standard then because it was like right, Dave's part of the nine team, he's having a swing at sixty minutes. It is game on, and and basically anything could be said at that point. And while no one really got controversial, I thought we had some amazing speeches. We'll touch on them uh, momentarily. Uh, I wanted to have a quick conversation with you, Mark, about the booper ad that happened live on stage uh, with Eddie <laughs> McGuire and his son Xander. <laughs> That's a great take. Uh, yes, uh, I mean, as I, I I was shocked to learn that he procreated but um was, oh gosh okay once, um yeah look, i thought xander uh did quite a good job i thought he, he i thought he you know i thought he had reasonable timing and uh, the kid seemed to know what he was doing that was all right uh, i i liked the how they showed clips from very early days of eddie mcguire's career showing him sort of stuffing yep. up um as if to imply he's somehow better now um i i I couldn't see the difference. Um, no, I'm being, I'm being harsh. He's very polished, but just, you know, like how good can you be asking someone, you know, oh, you're a 35-year-old teacher from Mount Isa. How's that working out for you? I mean, you know, surely everyone in the country has been on me in their hot seat by now. Like, that, that show can't keep going. He's just, he's, oh, yeah, right. I'm he's he's sleepwalking his way through that. That's ridiculous. Oh yeah, but then look—it's his—it's his second gig. He's killing it on uh, Triple M Breakfast uh, in Melbourne, and they're just in no assistance to lowering his ego. Amazing. Killing what it a country. in the ratings. What a country, Steve. Uh, yes. Uh, so we we did have to get through the Maguires. I, I agree. I thought Xander did a great job. You know, a good bit of fun pulled at Dad because they, you know, Eddie reminisced about driving Xander out for his first day at work at Nutter Wadding because Xander's part of the Neighbours cast now. 
uh, and that uh, he remembers when his dad did it for him, you know, throw to the package of Eddie uh, stuffing up, trying to explain how a lowering in interest rates is going to affect people. I suspect that was just footage from his first day at work, overdubbed with something of him talking about that morning's rates decision, uh, well, last week's rates decision from Triple M. So I, I'm not, I, the, the, the audio didn't sync up with the, the picture too well. Um, I'm just looking at my notes. I didn't, I, I, I thought this mm-hmm. was interesting. Now I say this, Mark, knowing this gentleman, and I actually think he's a very nice guy, completely unassuming, and he was stoked, as we could tell when he accepted his award. Uh, Adam Doville, who, if you don't watch reality TV, you will have no idea who this man is. Uh, he won hmm. the best new talent, beating out actual actors. This is a guy who, with his wife, won House Rules two years ago, and based on that performance, the Better Homes and Gardens producers went, I reckon he'd be good to be involved in the team. He's been with Better Homes and Gardens for six months, I think, now, uh, and doing a good job. So, you know, he's transitioned from reality TV contestant to lifestyle presenter. Uh, he picked it up. He was amazed. He admitted that he lost 50 bucks in that he bet he wasn't going to win against uh, with someone else at his table. Um but it was just interesting that a few media commentators that I saw on Twitter were a bit, how does that happen? How do actual actors lose this? Well, it's 2016. Yeah, the game has changed. Um, he seemed very likable. I didn't, I, I'm not, like you say, I'm not familiar with his work. <laughs> yeah, he seemed, he seemed charismatic and charming. You know, good luck to him. And um, yeah, there's nothing saying that the new talent has to be an acting. I don't think, yeah, I, don't, I mean, if, if, that, if they wanted that to be a separate category of, best new actor, then, then that's fine. But I think talent should be recognised in, 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 in whatever form it takes on television. Well, we already have that. These are the three awards that were presented yes, at indeed. the nomination announcements that Seven picked up all three. We've got Most Outstanding Newcomer, Most Outstanding Actor and Actress, and the Graham Kennedy Breakthrough Star of Tomorrow, which were won by Joel Jackson, uh, Melina hmm. Vidler, and Kai Baldwin, as we spoke about before. All Seven talent. Uh, two of them from Not the Boy Next Door and, and Melina from 800 Words. So there's the actual actor's chance to win stuff. The the best new talent voted for by the public. They thought that Adam was the guy. Um, who did he actually beat? Let's have a look at my extensive notes that I've got here somewhere. Best someone that had something going on. Here we go. He beat out Benson Jack Anthony, who is the kid in 800 Words. He beat out Dan Riley. Uh, for Dan from the block. Uh, he beat out Joel Jackson, who had already won be- uh, Most Outstanding New Talent. And he also beat out Pia Miller, who was in Home and Away, who reportedly wasn't allowed into the after parties okay. for some reason. <clears throat> Whatever. Uh, so, yeah, look, I think it was, it was really interesting just to throw yeah, a personal anecdote in, if I may. I got to uh, chat with Adam face-to-face at a seven function last year just after it had been announced he was joining Better Homes and Gardens. And he had just been pressured into joining... Um, Twitter and Instagram and all those sorts of things. I said, and he said, I don't know what I'm doing. I just gave him the quick two minute. Oh, you do this is how you follow, and this is what. Oh, okay. So he followed me, and I said, mate, you're going to have hundreds, thousands of people following. He said, why is anyone going to want to follow me? And here we are, six months later. He's won a logie. No, I think it's a spectacular rags to riches tale. Let's not forget that it was only I think two or three years ago that best new talent went to bloody Joel Madden. Uh, so I'll take an Adam, I'll take an Adam Doville over Joel oh, Madden any day I've of the week. I've forgotten that. 
I had forgotten that. <laughs> Good. That's... Probably so. <laughs> now I have to remember <laughs> yes. it again. <laughs> Bringing back traumatic memories. I'm sorry, Steve. Julia Morris. Oh, actually, here's another example. Julia Morris did get to present by herself, um, which is consistent with last mm-hmm. year. She presented solo. Uh, and the, last year, of course, the famous where she read the winner and forgot to name who the uh, nominees were. Very funny. She played that for a gag. She made her own gag at her own expense about that at the top and was showing off her dress and then uh, sort of delivered this fake fall where she fell over sort of fat um, face first onto the onto the stage with her ass facing the audience, gets up awkwardly, lost a shoe, lipstick smeared across her face. Um, it is, it was, look, I thought it was pretty funny because then she went straight away looking very disheveled into talking about how each of the people in this category represent their network with a plom. Uh, blah blah blah, and this was the new presenter, the best presenter award that she then gave to Alita Lee. I thought it was very. She's got funny. great commitment. I mean, there's someone else who could be, I could absolutely host it, um, because she, you know, she brought yes. something to it. There, she, you know, she had an idea, she had a comedic idea, and she absolutely committed to it. And that's what mm. I like seeing at the Logies yes. is, is, a, is a concept and, and seeing it through, and then that's what she did there. Julia Morris talks. Which she talks about in her stage show about how she's got reverse body dysmorphia, uh, how she just thinks she looks fabulous all the time. Uh, and in her latest uh, show, she talks about how it's e- even gone a step beyond that now. She's got reverse attitude dysmorphia, where she thinks she is just fabulous all the time. And she, like you said, she committed. She absolutely commits to bits. Uh, and that was seen later in the evening where after uh, some pressure apparently from social media and within the house... Uh, Shane Jacobson had been going around talking to all the Gold Logie nominees and tripped over Julia Morris because he last year showed some footage of Asha Ketty performing as a child and embarrassed the crap out of her, so he showed it again this year. Uh, he saw Julia and, and obviously had the, the, the New Faces segment ready to go. And look, here's Julia doing her thing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what's going on with that? I don't understand. Ha, ha, ha. Very funny. And Julia laughs it off. It, it was very great. Uh, from like 1980-something. And then we cut back later and it's like, people want Julia to sing, are you going to do it? And again, 100% committed. I'm going to do this. Now, I can say categorically, she had not rehearsed. John Foreman and the band had not rehearsed it before that point. This was unplanned, not on the run sheet. Uh, and turned out to be, yes, I think, I, absolutely. I think, moment. yes, again, back to that live and dangerous thing, that was great to see a moment that felt like it was living up to... Um, that uh, the live and dangerous instead of the safe and predictable tag com- completely and yes and it, it must have been if it was not planned it must have been a you know it puts, there's a lot of pressure on her to suddenly off off um uh when you're not planning to and when you're just trying to have a nice evening uh so i i really respected that mm. and that was yeah that was exciting that was exciting to see something that felt like it was not yeah on the right yeah like you say on the, on the, on the run sheet and I think she did a great job. So that was that was that was thrilling, and uh, it was interesting to see that the uh, producers were Monty Rob McKnight, 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 uh, and possibly even maybe Michael Adato as well. I can't remember, but people, yes, you know, commentators, media people, producers talking about, oh, that feels like a missed opportunity there, and I'm really glad that they took advantage of it. Yeah. What- the, the irony, I think, would be that if it were planned and they were drop, to drop it in, oh, do you want to get up and sing, oh, here's a microphone, or I've got mm. a microphone under the desk, off I go, I don't think it would have had 
the the tongue in cheek fun that it then ended up happening where it was like, are you sure you want to do it? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. Let's do it. And then she legitimately, you know, they cut away to something else. And sort of 15 minutes later, obviously she's ducked off to John and they've worked. Yeah, we'll do verse chorus. This mm. is the thing. Yeah, I'm ready. Great. Yeah. And she just did it. So it, it wasn't set up. It was a, a, one of those great spontaneous moments. I will offer that I don't think we need to have Shane Jacobson go around in the audience and talk to oh. the nominees. Oh, yes. Uh, That's death. <laughs> yes, it didn't. It, none of those conversations felt particularly comfortable or there was there was not a great kind of rapport going on there um he did because he did a similar thing mm. last year i remember leland chins was awkward one thing that i did appreciate though is that at least he toned down something which i think i complained about on this podcast last year was his use of words like tiger uh that's uh, tiger oh, that's yeah. it and just the i felt like last year he really bloked it up so much i think they all did last year it was just a bloke fest and really as long you know that's it. Yep. Scott no, Cam's got you covered. Any, you know, every. Excuse me. It's Scott Caminetti. I'm trying to bring it back. Are you? If he wants to shy away from his last name, I'm not going to let him. <laughs> that's that's fair enough. That's very that's very bold of you. The um, yeah. So I, I, I yes, I agree. I think some of that 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 stuff didn't really work. His interaction with Leland Chin. Didn't really kind of oh, flow comfortably. Uh, I, I don't know whether maybe he was expecting her to be like her online persona, which of course is a persona. It is a construct. It is not real. She there mm. are two. There are two Lee Lin Chins for anyone that doesn't understand it. There is you know there is <gasps> said, through the looking glass. There's the Lee Lin Chin that we know and love of Twit from Twitter, and then there's an actual woman who lives in the real world named Lee Lin Chen, and they are not the same. Uh, and so what you saw with the real Lee Lin Chen, who is not some sort of wise-cracking, know-it-all, you know, queen of uh, the internet, um, you know, you, you saw a, a, a reasonable, intelligent woman. Uh, so that was, so I think that yep. kind of, there was a sort of disconnect there. It was, um, I was really glad that he took the time to speak to a self-medicated Essie Davis. Because uh, she was up for a chat. <laughs> I, I don't remember her chat, I'm afraid. But uh, was that was that entertaining? No, no. <laughs> but at least I will offer that at least he got more words out of it than I did when I had to interview her about uh, Miss Fisher murder mysteries coming back for season whatever. Um, oh, right. She could not have cared less to speak to me. Well, I hope I'm I hope I'm making up for it now. But the uh, I, I, I you know who I'm going to give an honourable mention to. The cast of the living room, their acceptance speech. Yes. Again, it was a concept. They committed to the concept. They saw it through to execution, and it was pretty good. You know, they all they all got up and spoke a line of Spanish, and then Miguel Maestro, who obviously has a very thick accent, uh, got up and was the one person to to speak English. Simple idea, done well. They'd obviously rehearsed it, uh, and I really respected that. I, I thought that that. You know, and so that, and of course, you know, Sean McAuliffe. You know, there's people that put the, the, the put the work in and treat the acceptance speech as an opportunity yep. to either say something valuable, something of worth, or to say do something entertaining. I think both Sean and the cast of the living room pulled that off. Absolutely, I, I, I want to echo that 100%. I think I agree. I think the living room team did a great job, and then they went on to mm. thank all of the appropriate people, and that was very good. Uh, one of Channel 10's seven Logies that they won. I think that was just about their highest haul, biggest haul ever. 
Uh, so a huge result for 10 in that regard. And Sean McAuliffe, look, no one else was going to walk away with that comedy Logie. That was mad as yeah. hell's without question. Uh, so we knew we were going to hear from Sean at least once last night. And to hear him talk about man's inhumanity to non-man uh, was delightful. Uh, and to have the cast on stage, look, it was very funny because they were obviously, they're trying to be very serious. And this is the first time in this case that Tosh has heard it. And he's standing framed just in the shot. And at one point you could see he almost broke. It was very, very Yeah, funny. and it's just nice to see... Because um, it was, it's nice to see talent rewarded, um, which does not always happen at the ladies. Yeah. Fortunately, it actually happened quite a lot last. Oh, yes, actually, that is exactly. And I, and I have to say, dare I put it out there, I agree a lot with the the best votes, the people voted uh, categories, and I also agree a lot with the uh, the most outstanding uh, votes. In fact, I think I managed to tip mm-hmm. something like six of them. Uh, and it was uh, the others that I didn't get were my second guesses. Like it's, oh, it's, I want this person to win, but I'll be happy if this person wins. Uh, we'll run through all of them briefly. I thought the in memoriam, ladies and gentlemen, memoriam <laughs> segment, we all know what Mark thinks about Latin, uh, was, was delightful. Claire Bowditch performed underneath it, and that was sensitive and uh, a wonderful underscore to the moment. Again, stop bloody clapping when you see a face that you know. Yes, I think that's always unfortunate. Um, the I'm going to link in memoriam to the Hall of Fame for a moment, not to imply that Noni mm-hmm. Hazelhurst is on the way out or anything. That's not what I'm talking about. Well, uh, what strikes me during the in memoriam and what struck me during the Hall of Fame is that Let's, if we think about the Hall of Fame, it's Noni Hazelhurst's entire career appearing before our eyes. The In Memoriam features a slew of people who have worked in the TV industry over the decades. I think what the Hall of Fame suffers from, what the In Memoriam suffers from, is that Australia doesn't, and I won't go into the reasons why this is, but Australia does not have... Um, an awareness of its own TV history. and But what I mean yes. by that is that you look at the clips that were shown during Noni Hazelhurst's Lifetime you know, Achievement Award montage, I, 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 would, I would hazard a guess that the vast majority of people in the room, the vast majority of people at home, would be able to name two or three out of the many mm. shows and telemovies that were shown in that montage, like things that aired back in the you know, 70s or 80s, they do not reappear. We don't have a culture in Australia no. like we get from America where, you know, I can, turn on the, I can turn the TV on any day of the week and see Bewitched. You know, I, I love Bewitched, but why aren't we seeing, other than Skippy, why aren't we seeing the rest of Australia's TV history repeated so that when you have those moments... And when you watch the In Memoriam, you go, oh, yes, that person. Instead, me, as someone who considers myself to be fairly knowledgeable about Australian TV, I'm sitting there going, I have no idea what this is. And if I don't know what it is, God knows, you know, there's no chance the cast of Home and Away knows what it is. So I think... The cast of Home and Away are lucky to know who she is. (laughs) So I think that ends up undermining those those moments because you kind of look at it and, and you're sort of made to feel like, oh, what an impressive career. But you're also sitting there going, I don't know what this is. Um, so that's something that I feel just that's a, that's a bigger industry 
issue. Uh, but I think you know, that problem then undermines those sort of sentimental moments because you then only end up, yes, you only end up applauding um, John English uh, because you don't know. You don't, you know, the rest of that stuff doesn't yeah. doesn't have any significance for, for anyone beyond the time that it was originally aired. I did hear a smattering of applause pop up for a location manager. Now, I thought, well, that's very nice. Obviously, the, the you know, some cast that he has worked with recently know him or were applauding him, but guys, really, it needs to just let the applause happen at the end. And then the worst part was the song and the In Memoriam segment ended and fine, go to an ad break. But instead of hearing the, the room applaud, mm. the audio just went blank. That was very interesting. That was, a, that was a very interesting choice because, yes, because if it had been silent in the actual room, you would have gone, oh, okay, yeah. that's, that's, that's interesting. It's a nice kind of respectful way for that to end. And, and also the first time in the evening that the audience had been quiet. Um, but then when you're watching it and you can see people applauding, but you can't hear it, it was a slightly yeah, jarring moment. I am glad that you brought up the, uh, the Hall of Fame uh, for Noni Hazelhurst, her induction. Not only long overdue, not only uh, the, the second woman, only the second woman since 1984, uh, when they started doing the Hall of Fame, inducted Ruth Cracknell the first about 100 years ago. Um, we've got so much to catch up, but it did pose quite the problem for whichever poor producing bastard had to edit together that package for Noni. It went for nearly twenty minutes. It was it was long, but it was. I, I do think it was beautifully done, though. Um, and I think the speeches were, were, were lovely. And uh, yeah, I thought I actually thought that whole thing. And, uh, yeah, uh, yes, and it was the elephant in the room. It was something that needed to be addressed. And I think they did it um, in a way that didn't make it feel tokenistic. Because I think that's the speech was excellent. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, something which I felt was not kind of... I mean, I might be wrong, I haven't read enough think pieces this morning, but I, I felt like when, when her speech started, she, she, she alluded to... She used the phrase misty-eyed, and I thought, oh, this is very interesting. She, this is an interesting moment. The election has been called today, and, and here's the Hall of Fame winner, this beloved um, uh, actor in, a, in, in this country, you know, having a jab at Malcolm Turnbull. Uh, mm-hmm. And his comments about Asylum Seekers. I didn't I haven't really noticed anyone talking about that. Maybe they have, but um, I thought that was that was an interesting. Uh, Not enough hot takes, mate. <laughs> well, everyone's too busy with the Waleed takes. That's the that's the thing. You can only write so many words in a day. I've not read any of that. Noni did deliver a cracking speech. No, I hear that. Um, I am hoping to get a full transcript of that, which I will publish on Decider TV to have a read. It is worth reading. It was a really good speech. She covered a lot of ground. Mm. It, the speech did go on a bit. I, I disagree. Uh, I think it was Peter Ford that suggested that the Hall of Fame should be a separate event or at some other time. No way. That needs to be at the Logies because oh, yeah. if nothing else, we need to remind the casts of Neighbours and, and Home and Away that if you do a good job, you might get to be in that club and it's pretty good. Um, so, and say something of value, which is exactly what she did. In fact, Tim Minchin, Noni, uh, Deborah Mailman and Walida Lee yeah. twice all delivered very poignant and wonderful speeches. Same even Alex Dimitriadis. I thought he did a great job as well. I love Dimitriadis. Uh, I thought he was fantastic in the principal. I was really oh pleased to see him win that. Um, yeah, that was well well deserved, and he seemed genuinely um, humbled by it. And no, that was that was terrific. Now, Sarah Ferguson won Best Public Affairs Report for uh, the Killing Season, deservedly so. Yep. Now, at that point. Barnsley came on stage, it was 20 past 11, and we still had three Logies to go, yeah. and it didn't finish 
until five to twelve. Yes, yes, absolutely. So that's a lot of business that went on and a lot of ticked in ads uh, that uh, kept Channel Nine afloat. Yes, the, I think also something that has been I saw someone mention. I can't think who it was, but it's a, I think it's an interesting point. Is that when the Oscars occur, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, the musical interludes are songs from films that are nominated they all they are nominated yes. songs now obviously we don't have uh, you know the, the logie for best song or what have you but i wonder if there can be some if there must be a musical interlude which personally i feel there doesn't need to be i don't actually think it adds anything and that's no disrespect to any of the, those performers who were all fine but i just i know i'm about to disrespect two of them keep going okay but anyway the i don't know his name i can't remember that, that kid's name um but uh Sewell, Sewell. Yeah. I don't know what a Conrad Sewell is, so no. So I just uh, do we need that? But if we if we must have it, is there some way that it can be more tied in to television itself? Um, Mm. So uh, Jimmy Barnes is brilliant, uh, but you know what was the connection to the Logies? Delta Good German is slightly closer connection with the whole voice thing, but the connection was that Jimmy Barnes has a new album to sell. Sure, yeah. Which incredibly, somehow, magically, was tweeted about and the first ad out of the break immediately after he sang the song. That's, uh, that's how you play the game, Steve. It's magic and I don't, it, some witchcraft took place <laughs> and I was impressed by it. Um, when it comes down to me, look, big pro, musical acts for the night, all, as it turns out, four, but three planned musical acts, Aussie performers. True, true. Conrad Sewell. Brisbane boy who's now making it big in the States, come back, be, making it big here. Delta Goodrum is Delta Goodrum. She had to perform because it was either her, Jesse J or the Maddens because uh, no one wants to hear Ronan Keating sing anymore. Uh, and Barnsey, well, Barnsey was there to promote an album, clearly. Uh, I thought it was a delightful touch that at 11, whatever it was, 20-something, he sings The Midnight Hour. Yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> yes. It, was, it was very poignant. Uh it's very important that they got it in before midnight. Otherwise, the whole song loses. In fact, if you if you play that song, if you perform it after midnight, the whole room turns into a party. <laughs> They're the pros. The cons, Delta sang. Now, I got in trouble for basically suggesting that. Uh, now, I, I in my tweeting barrage, that is the Logies, mm. I try to generally be factual. This is what's happening. Mm. I try to make fun in a way that is of the event, but not of the person. Broadly, that is my remit. However, I have a long documented feud that she doesn't know about with Delta Goodrum. Uh, Not impressed, not a fan. And I know that people are, and that's great. I made one joke about Delta Goodrum, one. Mm -hmm. And I think it was something like she's performing. And uh, I said, there's no way in hell... I don't see a lot of chairs turning around for this performance, I think is what I said. It's very timely. The voices on kids. Look it up. Do the math yourself. <laughs> Luke Dennehy calls me out and, and, and doesn't it, – it's the passive-aggressive tweet where he takes your tweet and then writes something above it. So it doesn't reference you directly, but it pops up in your mentions as someone is saying something about a tweet you wrote. Mm. And it was, oh, why so much negativity always on Logie's Night? Oh, well, I, I... Dude, read my tweets. It's, Back off. Go and have your party, you stupid hobnobbing journalist. I don't care. I think... Well, I mean, this is my attitude. I think Logie's Night is fair game. It's just this one... I think yep. it's just this one, one night of the year where we all collectively agree to take a big shit on Australian television. Um, 
They're having a it's fantastic- not like I watch The Voice every night no. and hate tweet it. I don't. I avoid it because I know people like it. I'm not necessarily about the negativity, so I'm not going to be involved there is, and do it. There is no greater champion of television in this country than Steve Milk. Um, I love television. So, yeah. No, I, 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 for me, like, I, I'm, you know, on Logie's Night, when I'm tweeting, I'm very, very bitchy, and I say things that I, I really shouldn't, and that are not in my best <laughs> yeah, interest career-wise long-term. Um, but I think that's fun, and I think people like to see that. I think that's part of our it's – it's the Eurovision thing as well. We love to have a, have a laugh about Eurovision, and now even though we're part of it, we still love mm-hmm. to mock it. So sure. that's – I think, yeah, I think negativity-wise is, is something that is not normally – yeah, is not normally what you're, what you're like, but I think you get a night off on the logo. Check yourself. Yeah. Denny, that's what I'm saying to you right now. That's two feuds I have yeah. with people that don't know about it. They're not really feuds. I'm just building them up no, to be sure. more than they actually are. No, please. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah hey, look, I've got to get notoriety <laughs> somehow. We talked about Demetriadis and Mailman, both absolutely deserving. Both gave great speeches. Waleed Ali, we won't bang on about him too much, although I will offer there was a, a hot take about Waleed. It wasn't even a hot take. It was allegedly reporting on his speech because uh, he started with, uh, apart from going, well, thanks very much, You know, good evening, everyone, good night. Ha ha, it's very late. I'm not going to give you a, a speech. And then goes into a 15-minute pretty decent speech that starts with, do not adjust your sets. This is happening. And some poor journalist, let's call him a journalist for their benefit's sake, if nothing else. Some poor journalist from the Daily Mail suggested that the reason that he said that was because uh, a news person had won the gold logie. No, I what? don't think that was why he said that. Oh, gosh. Oh, dear. Really? Oh. Yeah, because they went on to say, you know, I did, uh, referencing that you know the first time a news person has won other than an actor or a starlet in some time. Oh God! What? But, Please, but, but didn't Carrie Bickmore win last year? Isn't she considered a, a newsy person? Um, well, this is my point. But she's a beautiful woman. Uh, she's not a man. Well, I mean, look, I, I don't want to get into having to, you know, fact check the Daily Mail. Um, Hashtag not a man, people. I, uh, I'm not touching any of that. Uh, the, um, so, yeah. Okay, great. Sure. Let's, let's move. Yeah, yeah. Waleed, deserving winner. And and again, yes, use the speech. I mean, that, that whole thing about the uh, the guy named Mustafa who uh, mm-hmm. had to, you know, who said that he couldn't use his actual name because of the, you know, the way the industry works in this country. Uh, that was a really that was quite a powerful moment. That was you know for him to say, look, that, that person is in this room right now. Um, yes, that was that was really something. And again, you know, you're using that platform, using that moment, not to be all aren't I brilliant and patting them, patting yourself on the back, but to actually either be funny or say something of worth. And a really beautiful way to include Peter Hellier in his speech too. I thought. Oh yes, because we certainly didn't see enough of Peter Hellier that night. But look, Mustafa Helia, I can see, I can see the problem. <laughs> now, as expected, as soon as Walid suggests that there is someone in the room that isn't using their birth name, and it's something air quotes controversial like Mustafa, it would be a matter of time between someone found out who that person really was. And yes, it took barely any minutes today for I think at least three different news services put it out there. But the one that I saw was Mamma Mia, uh, outing who the person is. Now, why? What's the benefit in outing that person? I did wonder about that. Yeah, I was... Why not just let that hang and go, you know what, there is a lesson for us to have in this. 
Yeah, I, I felt a bit funny about that. I mean, it, it depends. I have no idea what the what the what that person how how that guy felt about that whole thing. But uh, yeah, I sort of felt it. Um, I, yeah, I didn't like the idea of people going on a on a hunt to to work out who it was, because um, yeah. that's not really that's not the point. The point is not that oh, someone in this room has a secret. Can you solve it? No, it, the, the the bigger point was that we ideally we would we, we would live in a country where someone wouldn't have to do that. So I think yeah. I think going, you know, treating that as a mystery uh, to solve takes away from the bigger problem to solve, which is how do we how do we get to a point where someone doesn't need to do that? So that's well, yeah. this is the thing. Well, Lee Dali wasn't challenging us all, challenging all of us to become the three investigators. Oh, completely. He was just saying, this is the state of play. This is where we're at with broader domestic race relations. And it's a significant thumb to the nose to all of the people that thought that, honestly, he, he said it in the nicest way, but to cut, you know, to shorter, shorter Ali was, for all of the people that thought I don't deserve to win the gold lady, Logie, the people have spoken. And screw you yeah. guys. Uh, I think... I thought it was particularly touching his acknowledgement of his wife mm. uh, and, and calling her out for the support that she very clearly is for him, the love that he has for her. Delightful and even better because Dr. Susan Carland is a Muslim herself. She wears a hijab. That's going to get right under some people's noses that rhyme with tolt. Um, <laughs> just delightful. Not not for that. I don't call it out for that because Susan is lovely and they don't want to draw any attention. But I just thought this is multicultural Australia where a very, very intelligent, very smart, uh, reasonably liberal in his uh, understanding of the world, a small L liberal, you know, man that hosts a TV show, wins, you know, the most popular personality on Australia TV. They cut to his white Australian Muslim wife in a hijab and I see no problem with that. Oh, of course not. No, I, I feel like we don't even need to have this conversation. As any reasonable Australian should. I just thought it was a, a great underscoring. Now, Mark, before this podcast tails into the start of the 2017 Logies, uh, we probably need to very quickly just go through the winners and the losers. Uh, and, and if you want to pick up on any of those, we can discuss them. Uh, before we kick this off, just to, to re restate for everybody, anything that has best at the front is public voted. You and I got to have a say in how the outcome of that came about. Uh, and who the winner was, most outstanding, 100% peer voted. They have panels of people, groups of individuals in that part of the industry that vote and agree on whether or not this, out of the list of nominees, this show should win. Um, so that's that's the differential between best, most outstanding. Take Best used to be most popular. It was a mouthful. Let's just call them best. Everyone's the best. So, Mark, stop me if you want to talk about any of these importantly. Best Actor was won by Eric Thompson from 800 Words. Best uh, Actress was... Yes. No, I mean, no, I, I I'm not seeing 800 Words. Sorry, I, I won't interrupt. I'll only speak up when I have got something to say. <laughs> Were you going to suggest that maybe 800 Words wasn't the best anything? I was going to suggest about it now. If we should be giving these awards to New Zealanders. You know, these, nice. this is our night. <laughs> Go back to where you came from. That's it. We grew here, you flew here, yeah. Thompson. Sorry, no, this has suddenly gone into an area I'm not comfortable with. I retract that. Well done, Eric. <laughs> Best actress was Jessica Murray. Uh, Best presenter, Walida Lee, the project. We touched on that earlier. Best new talent, Adam Doville from uh, Better Homes and Gardens. Best drama program was Home and Away. Now, I have two big problems with this category, Mark. 
One is that uh, it's the best program, and it's apparently a drama, and both of them are home and away, allegedly. Uh, yes. I, uh, I think when you look at the list of nominees in that category, um, uh, if you try, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too preachy about this. I, I should try and keep it light, but the, if you imagine the, uh, Emmys, for instance. Yes. All right. And you think about the shows that you see nominated for best drama at the yes. you think in recent years you think you're thinking of, you're breaking bad and your bad men and yeah your good wife and i just if you then replace those names you, you imagine the the you know the emmy awards and the best drama nominees are house husbands home and away 800 words 800 words. i just kind of go really really we look we made up for it in the most outstanding section yes. i hear you it's totally a thing uh, th- this was one of the few times I disagreed with the Australian voting public. I'll, I'll point that out. Best entertainment program was taken away by Family Feud. The uh, I think that was one of the first awards, and we got to hear Grant Denyer make a joke about how he was as tall as a logie. Oh yeah, I, that's the first time he's made me laugh. So well played, Grant. Best news panel or current affairs program was taken away by the Project. Uh, congratulations to all of them, and that made three from three for a lead for the evening. Best reality program, a winner, The Block. Now, the political statement around that is that given how badly Reno Rumble went, nine were very concerned about a new season of The Block. For it to pick up the win up against I'm a Celebrity, MasterChef, Kitchen Rules, and Bachelorette, uh, that is, I think it gives them some buoyancy that their Annis Horribilis, because it was their turn, um, is not going to maybe round out as badly as they thought it has started, because it's been a crap 2016 for nine so far. I'll take your word for it. The best sports, best sports program was for the NRL footy show. I didn't know that was still on, but apparently it is. It was impressive that the Aaron Molan got to deliver the uh, the speech. I thought that was great. That Fatty and um, well, the other one who isn't called Fatty, but maybe should be, um, <laughs> didn't speak. So that was no, that was terrific. Aaron Aaron was certainly probably more compass than Daryl Broman or Fatty Vorton. Oh yeah, sorry. The big, um, the not, big is that the is that the big man? Is that what that is that what the big man, big man is? Daryl Broman. Yes. <sighs> this country. <laughs> <laughs> that that oh man, if we could end the podcast there. Uh, best lifestyle program: The Living Room. As we discussed, great speech. This was a controversial selection. Best factual program. Up against Australian Story, Bondi Rescue, Bondi Vet, and Who Do You Think You Are, the winner was Gogglebox. I, I've still not seen Gogglebox, but everyone that I've spoken to about it tells me that it is remarkably entertaining. So I, I'm not going to, you know, I think the time for shitting on Gogglebox was uh, before it started airing, and now it seems to be part of the landscape and people seem to really enjoy it. So, I'm, you know, I'm sure, why not? Those editors work really hard on Gogglebox. The best thing is that this week we're going to see the participants in Gogglebox watching the Logies, seeing Gogglebox win a Logie. Mm, yeah. That's How's that real, for TV Inception? Inception, yeah. Uh, yeah, good. Great. I look forward that, to... Uh, that rounds out the public voting. That rounds out the public voting, Mark. Now we get into the most outstanding section and some fairly meaty decisions in here. Some that I thought were very difficult, quite honestly. Most Outstanding Actor, Alex Dimitriatis for The Principal. Yeah. Most Outstanding Actress, Deborah Malman for Redfern Now, Promise Me. Most Outstanding Supporting Actor, a new category somehow. I don't know why it's taken us this long. Uh, Tim Minchin for The Secret River. Hmm. He beat out Tim Minchin 
for no activity. Uh, also, Ryan Core from Banished, David Berry, a place to call home, and Dan Wiley from No Activity. Uh, Stan, the first SVOD nominations for any Logie ever. That was huge for them and a, a huge call. I'd be very interested to now. Hang on, actually, that, that that's a good that reminds me. No Activity, all of its nominees, all of its nominations rather, um, were they all in Most Outstanding? Uh, yes, they were. Just because I was thinking, yes. oh, that's interesting. If it, if a streaming service managed to get those popular votes, but I realise now that it, they got the industry ones because um, uh, it would probably be hard in terms of Stan's audience for them to be able to already get into that those popular categories as opposed to the industry um, chosen ones. Well, a little bit of today news. Allegedly, Stan will have five hundred thousand subscribers in the next month or so. Um, that's subscribers, so people paying the money every every month. I love Stan. Um, so I, I think it's I, I, I think it's giving Netflix an absolute run for its money. Um, yes, I, I think the content on there is absolutely fantastic, and I love that they've put money in Australian programming. I, I think Stan are just terrific. That's right, and uh, we we'd love Mark to come to the Stan Christmas drinks this year as well, please. If there's a you know, I don't want to you know, I, I wouldn't make a big deal out of it, but. <laughs> Right, most outstanding supporting actress, Celia Ireland for Wentworth. This was uh, Foxtel's technically only win. Uh, they did, of course, tie with 10 for Gogglebox. That's a joint production. I felt that uh, it was gypped in not winning most outstanding drama, which was won by Glitch, but they were my two. It, it needed to go to either Wentworth or Glitch, or it was a write-off for mine in most outstanding drama. <laughs> I don't have an opinion. I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't watched enough of those, I'm afraid. Don't like your attitude. Most outstanding miniseries or telemovie was won by The Secret River for the ABC. Most outstanding entertainment program taken out by Gruen. That's Gruen's first Logie. Really? Yep. Really? That That's what I keep getting told. Oh, that doesn't sound right. Oh. Makes no sense to me either, okay. but there we go. Uh, most Outstanding Comedy Program. This was the, No Activity were nominated in this. Please Like Me, Utopia. Apparently Open Slather was in it. I think that was a, a spelling error. Uh, and Sean McAuliffe's Mad as Hell, which did take out that segment. Most Outstanding News Coverage was won by Robert Avardia and his producer for the Parramatta Shooting uh, for Seven News. Most Outstanding Public Affairs Report, The Killing Season. Well done, Sarah Ferguson. Many thumbs up. Can I just say quickly, on the on the new... Yes. Can I say quickly on the news reporting award? I've always feel terrible for the winner of that award. They can never action that revel in that moment because they are always winning it for Lint Cafe Siege or Port Arthur mm, Massacre. Yeah. Or it's always something absolutely awful. And so I'm glad that their work gets recognised. But they've got <laughs> there's no way to have fun with that acceptance speech because ultimately you would not be there if some atrocity had not occurred. Um, yeah, it's always, I always, I'm always, <laughs> uh, always sympathise with those people. There's already been calls for the Killing Season Two, Turnbull v Abbott, and I hope that we get to see that. Um, we've got the most outstanding sports coverage. The KFC Turnbull T- have to lose this election. <laughs> yes, the KFC T20 Big Bash, which head and shoulders for mine. That was a good win. Most outstanding children's program. Ready for this for the ABC, and then we got the three that we saw before. Most outstanding newcomer actor, Joel Jackson. Actress, Melina Vidler, Graham Kennedy, Breakthrough Star of Tomorrow, Kai Baldwin, and of course the Gold Logie went to Walida Lee, uh, head of Carrie Bickmore, Scott Caminetti, Garant Denya, Lee Lin Chin, and Essie Davis. 
All in all, the network tallies mark. ABC won eight Logies, seven and ten. Both got seven each. Channel 9 got three. That's nine's lowest haul in years. SBS got two and Foxtel got... Oh, sorry, Foxtel got two, SBS got one. So a, a pretty clean, all-in-all roundup of what happened at the Logies. Yes. <laughs> Final thoughts, Mark Humphreys. Too long. Uh, the, the, yes, uh, this podcast, yes. too long. <laughs> totally. Uh, yes, if you're still with us, thank you. Um, the uh, Yes, cut that down, sort out the banter. I don't even worry about that. I mean, just don't, 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 don't prioritize that in terms of writing. Um, and then, yes, please, can we have a, can we have an actual host um, just to make it exciting? Because it's just, it feels so safe now. That's the thing is that yes. the whole live, te- live television is that should it should feel, yes, you know, to use that word again, dangerous. It should feel that anything can happen. And last night, it felt like only one thing happened. With Julia Morris, which was terrific, but other than that, um, yeah, I felt they should. They, you know, I'd, I'd love to see someone really commit to uh, an idea with the Logies. Um, yeah, any other thoughts from uh, from you, Steve? Look, I, I, like I said, I thought it was probably the best Logies we've had in a while. I agree with the call to let's go back to having a host. I think that we've gotten a little bit not even safe; it's just bland. Um, there isn't enough Logies moments because we've just gone for, oh, let's make it easiest. But we then can't reel in the time. We then just have to run an hour overtime. Um, some expectations need to be managed, mainly not mine. Um, I think that it was good, and I look forward to more chaos in the 2017 Logies. Mark Humphreys, how can people find you on the internet? Well, I am on Twitter at Mark Humphreys and on Facebook at Mark Humphreys Comedy. You can catch me on the feed 7.30 weeknights during the election. Uh, I will be starting May 16, Monday, May 16, on the feed for that. I'm doing a sh- uh, an episode tonight, May 9, but I suspect that the moment will have passed. But, yeah, May 16 through till July 2nd, uh, every night I'll have something to say about the election. Uh, yeah, please watch the feed. If you lie, you lie. Mm-hmm. What is your Twitter handle? My Twitter is at Mark Humphreys. No, it's not. What is it, mate? At Humphreys Mark. That's not true, mate. They gave me a new Twitter handle. I, I used to be what? at Humphreys Mark. What? When did Mark. this change? Yeah, isn't this fantastic? <gasps> so apparently, whoever it was that had the Mark Humphreys Twitter handle had not tweeted in three years. The uh, There's a wonderful um, uh, woman at uh, The Feed named uh, Maddie Palmer who said to me, Oh, Mark, um, everyone at The Feed, we um, get them um, verified uh, Twitter accounts. I was like, well... I'm not going to say no to that. And Mark she said, also, I noticed, I, also, I noticed that the Mark Humphreys Twitter account has not tweeted for three years. I'll have a word to Twitter about it and see if they can give it to you. And I was like, oh, okay, no, no pressure, but uh, sure. And then, lo and behold, Twitter said, yeah, that person hasn't tweeted or they're dead. I don't know. Uh, and uh, so now I am, after all this time, I am, I am who I am. I'm at Mark Humphreys. I retract my indignation and add in a layer of gobsmackingness. Um, not only do you get a blue tick today, but your Twitter handle changed before my very eyes. It's great to be me. I am at Mogs TV Talk. You can read my work at Decider TV at decidertv.com. That's where this is. Uh, this podcast is found or on iTunes or Google Play or Play, Play Store or Cast Something Things. 
Uh, I am not well at things like that anymore. But if you are enjoying this, please know we have one more Real Housewives episode to go, and then I am up for grab suggestions. I need to find a new show to obsess about or something else to talk about on this goddamn TV podcast. You people aren't helping me. Let me know. Help me out here, because I'm pushing it up a hill all by myself. I'm doing the heavy lifting. You're just listening. I'm not asking any Patreon dollars. Just give me ideas. That's it. Are you watching Gigolos on Stan, Steve? Who even are you, Mark Humphrey? Good night. Malk's TV Talk, the podcast.